0: Welcome to the KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast Series, delivering fresh insights and perspectives around major accounting and financial reporting developments across a range of timely topics. We thank you for joining today.
1: Hello, I'm John Barbagallo, a Managing Director at KPMG. And in today's episode, I have the pleasure of discussing the FASB's new accounting standard update, on Accounting for Joint Venture Formations with two of my colleagues from KPMG's Department of Professional Practice, Nick Bergmeier and Landon Smith. Nick and Landon are in KPMG's national office and work closely with our engagement teams and clients on business combination issues. Nick and Landon, welcome to today's podcast. Before we dive into the details of this new ASU, I would like to start today's podcast with some background on the Joint Venture Project to kind of help level set. So Nick, give us a little history on why this project was added to the FASB's tactical agenda and what the new ASU does and what it does not do.
2: Thanks, John, and happy to be here. So before this ASU, there was a gap and gap for JV formation transactions. In fact, JV formation transactions were explicitly scoped out of Topic 805, which is the business combination standard. And that was the case even when two existing businesses were combined to form a joint venture. It was also scoped out of the guidance in Topic 845 on non-monetary transactions. This lack of guidance really led to some diversity in practice. And that diversity in practice was based on non-authoritative gap, such as SEC speeches, old AICPA issues papers, and just historical practice. So some of the joint ventures were initially measuring their net assets at carryover basis and some at fair value. That's quite a discrepancy in how these entities were accounting for things. What the FASB did then in this ASU is address the diversity in practice about how the joint venture should initially recognize and measure the assets contributed upon a JV formation. But interestingly, it doesn't really amend the accounting by a venturer, so the investor in the joint venture. It doesn't affect the accounting by a joint venture after its initial formation, and it also doesn't change what is considered a joint venture, and that's currently defined in GAP already.
1: Nick, thanks for that background. Very helpful. So I have a question. I heard you say that the ASU does not amend. The definition of a JV but as you know in practice it sometimes can be challenging to determine if an entity is a true joint venture so tell us what types of JV entities are in the scope of this new guidance.
2: Yeah I think that's really important John because this ASU and this new subtopic 80560 is actually going to be pretty limited it's only going to be applicable to the standalone financial statements of an entity that meets the definition of a joint venture. And that definition of a joint venture can be really challenging to apply in practice. And that's because it's not just based on whether the investors have joint control, but the SEC has actually in the past said they would object to any analysis that concluded an entity was a joint venture solely based on the fact that the investors had joint control. The definition of a corporate joint venture and joint venture and the codification actually has a bunch of qualitative factors that need to be considered along with how the investors govern the entity. And that can be challenging because it's subjective sometimes rather than objective. So again, we need to focus on the gap definition of a joint venture, not just how people in business sense talk about joint ventures, which is probably a lot broader than the gap definition. Thanks, Nick. Very helpful.
1: It is true that the use of the word joint venture is broadly used in business. Landon, turning to you, give us an overview of what this new ASU is all about.
3: Thanks, John. So under the new ASU, a joint venture formation is the creation of a new reporting entity that would trigger a new basis of accounting, but the new reporting entity does not necessarily mean the creation of a new legal entity. The ASU requires net assets contributed to the joint venture in a formation transaction to be measured at fair value at the formation date. So you may ask, what is the formation date? This is the date that the entity initially meets the definition of a joint venture, which is not necessarily the same as the legal entity's formation date. The formation date is meant to function like the acquisition date in the business combination under ASC Topic 805. The business combination guidance really applies to regardless of whether the net assets meeting the definition of a business. Thanks, Landon.
1: So I hear you say, you know, topic 805. So if we're applying the BISCOM guidance in the 805 to joint venture formations, does that mean that we could potentially record goodwill upon a JV's formation?
3: Yes. So recognition of goodwill applies to all joint venture formation transactions as well. At the formation date, the joint venture records a step-up in basis by recognizing its assets, liabilities, and not controlling interest at fair value using the business combination guidance in 80520. The step-up in basis of net assets contributed upon formation to fair value at the joint venture is really the most significant change within the ASU. So Goodwill is measured as the excess of the joint venture's formation date, which is over the fair value of... The joint venture's assets, liabilities, and non-controlling interest. The joint venture's formation date fair value equals the fair value of 100% of the joint venture's equity immediately following the formation.
1: Thanks, Landon. Nick, turning back to you, what are some of the other things to think about right when applying the business combination guidance to a joint venture formation?
2: So we're applying, in general, the guidance in Topic 805 on business combinations, as Landon said. But because these transactions are unique, there were some aspects that the FASB had to clarify. I'm going to just touch on a couple of them. Contingent payment arrangements. So in business combination guidance, there's guidance about contingent consideration, where the buyer will pay the seller something in the future based on events that might occur. It doesn't always work like that in a joint venture transaction. So what the FASB decided to do was treat any contingent payments between the JV itself and its investors, not under the contingent consideration guidance, but under the guidance for just contingent liabilities and assets in general. So more like an ASC 450 contingent liability that would be recorded at the ventures level. Another thing that they tried to clarify was that There's some guidance in business combinations about pre-existing relationships and settlement of those relationships upon the transaction. And that's because they're trying to address transactions that existed between a buyer and seller. Now, because a joint venture in of itself is considered a new reporting entity, it couldn't have theoretically had any pre-existing relationships with the investor. So the FASB said, well, take that guidance off the table because it doesn't really apply. Another thing that's very common in business combinations is the buyer replacing the acquiree's share-based payment awards and their specific guidance in 718 of how much of those awards would be considered purchase price versus compensation after the transaction. Well, those transactions could also happen. The joint venture could replace existing awards by the investors that transferred businesses in. And we should apply similar guidance. I guess with the main difference being that any amount of those share-based payment awards that's attributed to pre-joint venture date service wouldn't necessarily increase the purchase price or increase the the fair value of the entity and the goodwill balance. It would just kind of be a plug to equity. It's also important to note that if the JV is a private entity, which a lot of them are, they would be eligible for the private company alternatives. The item that got the most discussion in the FASB's deliberations was whether or not the joint venture should have a measurement period consistent with the business combination guidance. And the measurement period allows a company to have a period of time after the transaction to true up and finish its fair value calculations and purchase price allocation. And that period can't exceed a year. So initially, the FASB said, we don't think joint venture should get that exception For various reasons, the investors already should know the valuation or have a better idea of the valuation, and the end is usually private, so there'll be a longer period of time. However, after feedback in the comment letter process, the FASB decided that it would be helpful for these entities to have a measurement period in joint venture transactions, and they changed that. So a measurement period is available to the accounting at the joint venture formation level.
1: Thanks, Nick. I know that was a uh, a big topic when I spoke to clients about the exposure draft, that the measurement period adjustment or the measurement period guidance would be very, very helpful in uh, joint venture formation transactions. So we're glad that that finally made it to the ASU. Landon, take us home with an overview of the disclosure requirements as well as you know the effective date and transition requirements.
3: Sure. So ASU 2023-05 requires joint ventures To disclose information enabling financial statement users to understand the nature and financial effect of the joint venture formation in the period in which the formation date occurs. So the required disclosures are going to be the formation date, a description of the purpose for which the joint venture was formed, the formation date fair value of the joint venture as a whole, a description of assets and liabilities recognized by the joint venture at the formation date the amounts recognized for each major class of assets and liabilities as a result of accounting for the formation, and also a qualitative description of the factors that make up the goodwill recognized, if any. So the effective date for the ASU is January 1st, 2025 for all joint ventures, and early adoption is permitted in any interim or annual period for which financial statements have not been yet issued. The transition method depends on the timing of the formation date. If the joint venture formation date is on or after the initial application date of ASU 2023-05, the transition method applied is prospective. If the joint venture formation date is before the initial application date of new ASU, the transition method applied is retrospective if the joint venture has sufficient information available to do so.
1: Thanks, Landon. Nick and Landon, great job summarizing the new ASU on accounting for JV formations. I would encourage our listeners to view our Defining Issues publication on this new ASU at frv.kpmg.us. Thanks again, and I look forward to speaking with you on future podcasts.
0: Thank you for listening to this KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast. For more in-depth financial reporting developments, analysis, and podcast episodes, please visit frv.kpmg.us and be sure to subscribe today. Also, we are social. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at KPMG Financial Reporting View or with hashtag KPMGFRV.